Chapter Twenty Six of Brenda, Her School, and Her Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brenda, Her School, and Her Club by Helen Leah Reed. Chapter Twenty Six Great Excitement. For several moments all was confusion. While trying not to show an inconsiderate curiosity, the girls behind the tables could not help leaving their places, though they stood at a fair distance from the spot where Julia and Miss South and two or three older women were trying to do what they could do to revive Madame Delaunay. Although she had not actually fainted, she was certainly not herself, and for several minutes she leaned back in her chair with her eyes half closed. Yet, although she looked pale and almost pitiful, with the lines of age clearly showing in her face, she would not accept help from anyone, not even the glass of water which they offered her. At last, after a time, that seemed longer than it really was to those who stood by, she opened her eyes and, without a word to those standing near, motioned to her man. "'My carriage at once,' was all she said. Then, motioning to him again, she took his arm as she rode from her seat, turning for a moment toward Julia, who had extended her hand. "'Good-bye, dear,' she murmured as she started to walk with stately step across the room." The whole thing had been so strange, Madame Delaunay's feigning spell and her peculiar manner on coming to herself, that those who stood near, instead of making any comments, only gazed after the old lady in surprise. In the midst of the excitement Miss South, too, had slipped away, and on making inquiries about her Julia was told that she had gone home. Yet, although at the very moment of this strange occurrence no one had had much to say, when the girls gathered in little groups aside, their tongues swung back and forward with great energy. What in the world could have caused it? was asked on every hand, and many were the guesses and speculations as to what had caused the little scene. Oh, old ladies ought not to try to go to festive places like this, said one of the girls, glancing around the long room with its walls panelled with mirrors, its decorations of vines and plants and bright streamers. Especially old ladies who have hardly set foot in the house of anyone else for fifty years, more or less, added another. Well, even then I don't see what made her faint, said Nora, who happened to have heard the last remark. There wasn't anything peculiar exciting going on here. Oh, replied Belle, it had something to do with Miss South. I stood where I could see Madame Delaunay's face, and when she fainted she had just met Miss South's eye, and didn't you notice Miss South looked as if she would like to faint herself? How ridiculous, said a girl who had newly joined the group. You always see more than anyone else does, Belle. What if I do? I am just as often right, and you can see for yourself that Miss South is not here now. I noticed that she hurried away as soon as she could. "'What if she did?' cried Nora. "'I do think, Belle, that you are sometimes perfectly ridiculous. "'Any number of people are not here now, who were in the room half an hour ago.' "'Oh, you know what I mean, Nora. "'Mark my words, there is something queer about the whole thing.' "'How in the world, I wonder, did Madame Delaunay happen to know about the bazaar?' asked Frances Pounder. "'Why, Frances Pounder, where have you been?' cried Nora. "'Why, yes, Frances Pounder, where have you been?' echoed Belle. "'Haven't you heard of the tremendous intimacy that has sprung up between Julia and Madame Delaunay since she rescued her little Fidessa from the park police? It really is a wonderful story, and we all expect Julia to be the old lady's heir.' 
"'Come, come,' interrupted Nora. "'We can't afford to waste our time gossiping. "'We should be thankful that Madame Delaunay ventured to come here at all, "'for she bought any number of things, and she paid good prices, "'and now, if we do not return to our tables, "'we may lose all the patronage of the other old ladies who are wandering about.' "'So, two by two, the little crowd dispersed. "'Some of the girls went behind the tables, while others hovered about.' picking and choosing what they should buy according to their purses or their taste. But to tell all the happenings of that afternoon and evening would take a longer time than can be spared to it now. In the evening not only the fathers and uncles of many of the girls came upon the scene, but Philip and his friends appeared to form a small army of purchasers. The latter were not on the whole inclined to buy very expensive things, though they patronized the refreshment table so steadily that Bill had to beg one of the New York boys to become assistant cashier. They also almost swept the flower booth clean of cut flowers and plants, to the loss of the little patients in the children's hospital, who might otherwise have been benefited had any flowers been left over. Yet, although I say that they did not buy a great deal, I must not be misunderstood. They did carry off all kinds of little things that they thought would raise a laugh in their college rooms. Philip, for example, bought a work-basket lined with pink and white silk, grumbling as he did so that this was the nearest approach he could find to crimson. Besides that, he paid a good price for the doll which he had admired, and which Nora had mischievously reserved for him by pinning it to a card bearing his name. He also bought a small hammock of twisted ribbons, in which he said he intended to suspend the doll in a conspicuous place over his mantelpiece. Tom Hurst had to buy two or three tobacco pouches, and in addition he chose a rattle, the covering of which Nora had knitted and decorated with bells. "'Pleased with a rattle, tickled with a straw,' quoted Nora, as he carried away his purchase, at the same time presenting him with a wisp of straws from a broom, which she had tied together with a piece of crimson ribbon. "'To be forever cherished,' responded Tom, as he walked off with his trophies, in a tone that made the usually unsentimental Nora blush. As to Will Harden, he lost no time in going to the table over which Francis and Edith presided, to inquire for a soft pillow which had been reserved for him. "'Reserved!' cried Edith in a tone of surprise, for Ruth had taken her into the secret. "'I thought it was understood that nothing could be reserved here.' Will's face fell, for he was very much in earnest. "'Oh, now, Miss Blair,' he said, "'you surely were not in earnest last evening. You know that I had made up my mind to that pillow.' "'Wouldn't something else do just as well?' she asked. "'This centerpiece, for example. I worked this,' with an emphasis on the pronoun. "'Why, it's very pretty,' said poor Will. "'Only I shouldn't know what to do with it. But I'd like it very much. Really, I would,' he hastened to add, as Edith looked a little serious. "'Well, I'm sorry,' she responded, "'that you fix your affection on such impossible things. "'Now this centerpiece is also disposed of. "'Mrs. Barlow has bought it and will take it home this evening.' "'Also,' exclaimed Will, "'you said also. "'Do you mean that the sofa pillow is really gone?' "'Edith could not help smiling at his expression of disappointment. "'Here comes Ruth,' she said. "'Ask her.' and Ruth, with her hands full of flowers which she was carrying across the room to Mrs. Pounder, paused for a moment. "'Why, you look as if you were quarrelling,' she said to Edith. "'You and Mr. Harden. Can't I be umpire?' "'Why, yes,' replied Will. "'That was just what we wished for, for you are the only one who really understands the merits of the case. You remember that cushion?' 
Ruth looked sufficiently conscious to make further reply unnecessary. "'Of course you do remember it,' continued Will, "'and you know that you more than half promised it to save it for me. "'Now, nobody here at this table seems able to tell me about it. "'At least Miss Blair isn't, and she ought to. "'If anyone could, tell me just where it is.' "'I am not sure,' responded Edith, "'that you have really put the question to me. "'At any rate, I am positive that I have not made any statement about it. "'But you told me to refer to Miss Roberts, "'and I thought that that meant that you knew nothing about it.' "'Well, honestly, I can't tell you about the cushion,' said Ruth. "'If anyone offered more than one hundred dollars, which I think was your limit, "'I suppose that it has been sold.' "'You think that I did not mean what I said?' cried Will. "'Oh, no, indeed, but if anyone offered more—' "'All this time Edith had been standing with one hand behind her back, "'and at the last minute she raised her arm and disclosed the cushion, "'which a minute before she had brought from its hiding-place beneath the table. "'There, that is mine!' exclaimed the young man. "'Let me have it!' "'Well, I declare,' cried Edith, as in surprise, "'this card really does bear your name, "'and so I suppose that I must give you the cushion.' will leaned forward eagerly yes it is mine but as he glanced at the card the price is not right it is only one-tenth what i expected to pay why would you really have paid one hundred dollars for it asked ruth why not he asked oh it is so much more than it is worth she replied even for the roses we could not have permitted it well he answered as he handed out the crisp ten-dollar bill which paid the price marked on the pillow "'Well, I must make it up to the roses in some other way.' "'Then, turning toward Edith, "'Thank you, Miss Blair, for waiting on me, "'although you did give me a bad quarter of a minute "'when you made me believe that I might have missed the purchase "'which I came expressly to make.' "'So, with a pleasant smile, "'carrying the pretty cushion on one arm, "'he walked across the room with Ruth. "'Belle, as she watched them, "'could not help thinking how well they looked together, "'even though for the moment she felt a little jealousy "'of Ruth's growing popularity. "'Neither the evening before, "'nor during the whole progress of the bazaar, "'had Belle received any special attention "'from even one of the boys, "'as Philip and his friends were called collectively. "'Ruth, to be sure, "'was nearly a year and a half older than the four, "'and it was more natural "'that she should receive a little more attention "'of the kind that young ladies receive.' But Belle thought that she herself felt as old as she should ever feel, and now, since she wore her hair done up, and had skirts that almost touched, she did not see why she should not be treated just as if she were grown up. To suit her ideas, therefore, of the deportment of a young lady, she had begun to assume a very coquettish manner, but this, instead of producing the desired effect, that of gaining for her great admiration, only amused the boys, and led them to make fun of her when by themselves. Edith, through Philip, and Nora, through her brother, had some knowledge of this fact, but Brenda regarded Belle with more or less awe, and considered her an exceedingly worldly-wise person. When, therefore, Belle proposed to her that instead of selling the water-colored painting of which I have spoken at a fixed price, they should vote it to the most popular young man of their acquaintance, Brenda acquiesced. "'You see, it will be this way,' said Belle. "'We can get people to vote by taking shares.' "'How much will the shares be?' "'Oh, a dollar, and we can easily sell a hundred and fifty dollars worth. "'I am sure that is a great deal better than letting the picture go for one hundred dollars.' "'But isn't that the same as a raffle?' "'No, stupid, of course not. 
for you know that Mrs. Blair had forbidden us to have any raffles. "'Yes, I know about that rule, and a very silly rule it is, too,' replied Bell. "'But this isn't at all the same thing as a raffle. "'People just pay for the privilege of voting, "'and don't expect any gain for themselves as they would in a lottery or a raffle. "'It's a good thing, too, for the person they vote for. "'It's doing him good, and no one can disapprove of a plan to help other people,' "'said Bell, with an unselfishness of sentiment that could not have been looked for in her.' "'Well, no,' said Brenda, hesitatingly. "'I suppose not.' "'All the same,' Bell had continued, "'I think that we had better not say anything to Edith and Nora about it. "'They might interfere in some way, "'and besides, I am sure that they both have enough to do "'looking after their own tables.' "'Well, but how can we get any votes "'if we do not say anything to anybody?' inquired Brenda. "'Oh, of course we must take Frances into our confidence. "'She is at the table where the picture is.' There won't be much danger of its selling at once for one hundred dollars, and we can trust Francis to head off anyone who pretends to wish to buy it. So it was as a result of this plan of Bell's that Francis had prevented a sale of the picture to Madame Delany, for at that time Brenda and Bell had a number of names on their books, enough, in fact, to represent one-half the valuation of the picture. Each girl who voted was bound to secrecy, for Belle realized, though she had put it in a different light to Brenda, that she was violating the spirit, if not the letter, of Mrs. Blair's command. Nevertheless, the very fact that the carrying out of this plan involved a certain amount of mystery gave the whole thing more zest than it would otherwise have had for the two. Strangely enough, however, after the first fifty votes had been cast, with a great scattering as to the most popular youth, the two girls found it hard to get more names. The evening, indeed, was half over before the list had increased to sixty votes. About this time an awkward thing happened. Running upstairs from the dining-room, Belle had dropped the neat little book in which she kept her record of votes, and when one of the maids handed it to Mrs. Blair, great was her surprise to find on the fly-leaf the sentence, Voting Contest for the Picture. "'Whose handwriting is this?' she asked Edith. "'And what does all this mean? Surely none of you is carrying on a raffle.' "'It's Belle's writing,' answered Edith, a little reluctantly, for she saw that her mother was angry. "'But I do not know what it means.' "'Well, after this, of course, Belle was summoned to talk with Mrs. Blair, and though she reiterated that she had only desired to make as much money as she could for the bazaar, Mrs. Blair insisted that Belle should give her all that she had already received to return to those who had subscribed or voted.' Brenda, too, came in for a good share of reproof, and the whole thing was very humiliating to the two girls, who found themselves so clearly in the wrong. Beyond obliging them to conform, however, to her views of what was proper, Mrs. Blair had no intention of making them unduly uncomfortable. "'Think no more about it,' she said. "'Only remember that you have prevented the sale of the picture, for I saw to-day that Madame Delany was very anxious to buy it. After hearing this, Brenda and Bell, although mortified, decided to make the best of the rest of the evening. They merely explained to some of the voters who asked them that it had been decided to give up this plan for the disposing of the picture, and that the money would be returned. 
the episode of madame delaunay in the afternoon and this little unpleasant incident of the evening were the only things to make this bazaar seem very different from other bazaars you know what they are all like and that each fair or sale or bazaar depends for its charm on the unity with which the workers carry things on and the extent to which their friends patronize it and i will say for the four that they were much more in harmony through this whole affair than often they had been in the past and that their friends especially their young friends did even more than had been expected of them to help swell the fund for the roses Brenda had been anxious to have one or two of this interesting family on the spot to work on the sympathies of the patrons of the bazaar. She had thought that it would be delightful to have Angelina wait on the refreshment table, and she did not see why Manuel might not have been present all the time. In some kind of fancy costume, of course, for I know that his own clothes would not be exactly clean and whole. But Mrs. Blair had objected to the presence of the roses, whether in fancy dress or in their usual garb, and Mrs. Barlow had succeeded in making Brenda see that it would not be the best thing in the world for the Rosa children to be introduced to what must seem to them a scene of great luxury in a back bay house, even though it might be explained to them that part of the gorgeousness was due to a desire to help them, the special gorgeousness, I mean, of the bazaar. "'Who in the world is to take care of all the money?' asked Nora, as she looked at the large tin box, almost running over with silver and bills taken in as receipts at the various tables. "'Oh, Mrs. Blair is to put it in her safe tonight, and tomorrow it will be exchanged at the bank for large bills,' answered Brenda. "'And then?' "'And then we must have a committee meeting to decide what is to be done with it. When it was last counted there were nearly three hundred dollars, and there has been something added to it since.' "'Why, how perfectly splendid!' cried Nora. "'Why, we should be able to do almost anything we wish to do for the roses. "'Why, it's his regular fortune!' "'For Nora had ideas almost as vague as Brenda of the value of money. "'Oh, yes, we've done very well, but I am glad it's all over. "'The bazaar has been fun, but it is kind of a relief not to have it on my mind any more. "'Oh, Brenda, it hasn't worried you much. "'You took things very easy until the last day or two. "'Well, that's just it. "'I've felt so busy today that I would like to rest for a week. "'But you haven't been half as busy as Julia. "'She has hardly left her post all day, "'and I think that she looks pretty tired.' "'Dear me,' said Brenda crossly, "'if she had not wished to serve at the flower booth, "'we could have found some other girl to do it. "'Oh, Julia,' she cried as her cousin drew near her, "'are you coming home in the carriage with me?' "'Why, yes, if you wish it. "'Well, it has just taken Papa and Mama home, and when it comes back I shall be ready.' The pretty dancing-hall now presented a thoroughly disordered appearance. It was strewn with wrapping papers that had been pushed from behind the tables, or had been thrown there by careless persons who had tossed down the coverings of their surprise packages. There were also a number of faded flowers lying about, and the tables themselves were in confused heaps, for of course not everything had sold, and the remains, as one of the boys called what was left, had to stay on the tables until morning. When Brenda and Julia were finally ready to go home, they were almost the last to leave. Even the Cambridge boys had said good-bye, and Ruth and Frances had started for home. "'Thank you very much, Mrs. Blair, for letting us come here,' said Brenda, as they left the room. For Brenda seldom forgot her good manners where older people were concerned, even though she was sometimes inclined to be pettish toward her younger friends. "'Why, "'What is that?' she inquired, as Julia had a large package lifted into the carriage. 
"'It's that watercolor that was on Edith's table. "'Why, why are you taking it home for?' "'I have bought it,' replied Julia quietly, "'and I am going to give it to Aunt Anna.' "'Brenda was almost too much surprised to speak, "'for this was the picture which she and Belle had tried to raffle. "'But you did not pay one hundred dollars for it.' "'Why not?' said Julia with a smile as they reached their door." End of chapter 26. Recording by Deborah Knight, United States of America.